You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to our 2018 TLC review and episode 110. I'm Nick Howell. And waiting for the holiday fire sale of all the excess tables, ladders, and chairs not used by WWE this weekend, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome <laughs> to the show. Yes, Nick, we just, we just had... The TLC pay-per-view, the final WWE pay-per-view of 2018. And I have to say, man, it was a pretty, it was a solid outing. It was a, yeah, it was a, it was a solid B plus, solid A minus. You know, it had its couple of little things, but I got it. It zipped right along. It, I was really, yeah. really impressed and really enjoyed For it. 12 matches. For 12 matches? Yeah, that it would, actually it was very good. Considering a lot of the the mm, vitriol that WWE's been been feeling over the last few weeks and months about its its Raw brand, I have to say they definitely came back roaring on this and, and finished the year on a good note, at least as far as pay-per-views. We'll, we'll see as far as Raws go. Well, tonight, but yes, and, and yeah. also next week. But uh, I was going to say, we got to get this out of the way because Papa... Papa McMahon's showing up on Raw tonight here in about 90 minutes. So Dad, Daddy's coming <laughs> I gotta home. I got to be there to watch what the hell's going to go down on that. Yeah, well, a lot of people worshiping the man that uh, created the product that two weeks ago they wanted to kill him for. So it'll be very interesting to see what kind <laughs> well, we, how, how this works out, what kind of uh, Stockholm Syndrome crap we see going on. But, yeah, um, shit. but that being said, right here, right now, we need to talk about TLC. If you didn't get a chance to see it, there's one match in particular that you need to go out of your way to see. Uh, match of the year contender, at least for the main roster, as far as from where I was sitting, Nick. I don't know about you. But uh, we, 100%. We, will, we will get into the whole show and discuss all of it shortly. But first, we got to do a little housekeeping. Yes, as always. As, you know, we, we debuted the Facebook group chat last night, which was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody. We had about 20 to 30 people in there at that one time by the end. Um, but come and join us on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Just send us a join request. We'll get you in there. We have weekly threads on all the major shows uh, across uh, WWE, as well as fun memes, great conversations, fantasy booking, all kinds of good stuff. So come join us over there. It is the hub of our operation. You can also follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. And if you like this show and love what we do, head over to patreon.com slash BWO where you can contribute and sign up and become a part of the show yourselves for five bucks a month. You can get listener questions in. You can get bonus episodes. You can get some some time on Skype with Surian Dangerous and myself if you if you so desire. Oh yeah, because uh, that would be a lot of fun to talk about anything you like. But that's uh, that's us, Ian. Anybody else that wants to come and join the party, we are open to it. I and also don't forget our YouTube channel because we're, which we'll be getting back up pretty soon. Um, about that, I want to actually discuss that. I don't know you mentioned it, but. Uh, we are going to be going live again very soon now that, uh, Nick, you're starting to put your life back together after your big move out to, yes. p- to parts unknown. Uh, and I do have to apologize to everyone for not being there in the Facebook group yesterday. It was a, it was a madhouse for me, and I, I do want to try and make it to every one of those. But uh, yesterday it did not pan out. I had the six-hour rehearsal, and then I got my butt kicked Aww. at work. Yeah, it was a long, it was a long day for your boy. And then, of course, I had to watch 
all of TLC. <laughs> I tried to fit that in before the show today, but I did it, and I'm here. But here we are. Here I am, <laughs> and I, I just actually rewatched one of the matches from the show I, I, just because it was so freaking good. So I'm, I am all kinds of hyped. I'm still sweating, uh, but we need to talk about this show. Uh, you know, whether or not, like, if you haven't seen it, we're going to set the table for you. Did did we see the first ever SmackDown Live dual-branded pay-per-view women's main event? That was a topic of discussion on our preview show. Uh, did any titles change hands? That sort of thing. Let's break down this show, Nick, and start off with the pre-show where we had the Cruiserweight Championship being defended, Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander, the champion. Buddy Murphy, a rematch from uh, their match down in the Super Showdown where Cedric lost the title to Buddy Murphy. Did this deserve to be on the kickoff show? Are we surprised? Uh, not surprised uh, by the way they treat uh, the cruiserweight uh, division as a whole. And, you know, I thought that it would get a little bit of love on the card based on the rankings we've talked about the last couple of weeks on the network with them being at the 17th position. There was a time earlier this year where they were at like fourth or fifth. Yeah. And when things were booming and Enzo was being cast away and Neville was at the, whatever, there was a time when people were coming around on the cruiser on 205 Live. 17th. 17th. And with that in mind, I, w- I would have thought that they would have put this somewhere in the middle of the entire pay-per-view. But no. Nope. It's uh, It was destined for the pre-show, and I feel like we got maybe 10 to 15% of what kind of match we sh- we kind of got at Super Showdown. See, I so, actually I would argue that we got more than that. I, I would say it's a pretty solid match. Uh, they didn't go completely bonkers, I, as you said, probably because it was pre-show. But it's a chicken and the egg scenario as well. You know, are they going to go bonkers when it's on the pre-show? Are they going? Is it is them being on the pre-show going to affect the show negatively, or is it because the show is performing poorly that they don't want it on the main card? You know, it's it's what what's the causation of what. All I know is they put on, I thought, a very solid match, even though they didn't go completely cruiserweight bananas. It was still a, a solid match for, for only being 10 minutes long. Yeah. But also, I want to point out that if it had been a title change, I think it might have been on the main, on the main show. But because Murphy did retain, as we, as we both said he would, uh, it, it made sense to me to have that be on the pre-show. It was almost like a, a feature, but it wasn't a big deal. It didn't really change any storylines. So. Yeah. Yeah. The exhibition match with some high flyers. Pretty much, know? yeah, and there was some good yeah. high-flying stuff. Both these guys are, are two of the most exciting guys across all rosters in the WWE, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I'd, the question now is, is, is there anybody on 205 Live who uh, can stop Buddy Murphy, can stop the, the juggernaut? You know, I mean, are, are they going to flip Drew Gulak face? Maybe no, I, I don't know. God, no, <laughs> even he has seen a downturn. What? So who's going to come after Buddy Murphy next? I, I don't know. I think it's to be determined uh, when we we'll see what happens this Tuesday once uh, once they come back out. Yeah, so. I'm not sure. I don't know who they have as far as a, a face to really kind of go up against him uh, unless Tony Nese turns on him or something. I don't know. Are they bringing someone new from outside? Noam or, Dar maybe? I, I don't know. Yeah, Noam Dar maybe, but, um, or Murphy just holds it for a long time until someone comes along <laughs> they feel is is worthy. So. Who knows? And but if Cedric couldn't get it done and Mustafa Ali couldn't get it done, what's Noam Dar going to do? So well, I, that's where my head's and at. Noam Dar I think is getting a little bit more featured over on NXT UK anyway. You know what I mean? He might yeah. see more more life over there. 
I don't know. But uh, bottom line is, is that this was a this was there. It was fine. It was a fine pre-show match. The next match on the pre-show was the uh, ladder match between Elias and Bobby Lashley. They 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 kind of changed the rules a little bit from what was announced on Monday. On Monday, they said whoever gets to the top gets the guitar that's hanging from the uh, ceiling and is able to then use it on their opponent, which, as you and I said, is basically a glorified guitar on a pole match and doesn't make a whole lot of sense they changed the rules to be whoever grabs the guitar wins the match and that made a little bit more sense yeah. and and the way it played out i think um it made it made more sense as well because elias got to the top grabbed the guitar and then when he went to use it on bobby lashley leo rush gets involved and elias ends up getting beaten down and takes the guitar shot so i i, I thought that it worked out as well as possible but what did you think about this match I I thought when the match first when they first when we first heard Elias and then we figured out that the, this match was going to be the second one that was on the pre-show and the kickoff show I kind of went oh no oh no no the both of these guys need a little bit of presence and then after it was done I was like oh thank God that was on the pre-show <laughs> because if that had been in the middle of all of these other matches that were pretty damn good across the board. Yep. Um, yeah, it would have been a stinker amongst them, but pre-show fodder, it was fine. Absolutely, it, I would. You know, I think there's only purpose, one. There's only one move I would have changed. You know what I mean? As far as like as well, maybe maybe two. But there's not much I would have changed about the way they laid out this card. But uh, I definitely would have kept this on the pre-show. Uh, but here's but here's the problem: these are two guys who have been circling around the main event scene on and off the last few months. Is their stock dropping, or is it just that? This particular this feud wasn't that great, or you know what's what's going, or is should we, is it just yeah? It's a big card, nothing to worry about. Kind of at least they were on the card, kind of thing. You know what I mean? I mean Bobby Lashley. I don't want to talk too negatively about it, but he's kind of a cancer man. It's, oh, it's kind of a you want to talk whoever, negatively? Be whoever <laughs> whoever ends up in a feud with Bobby Lashley is. Not going to end up in a very good place. If that's I mean, you not you know. talking too negatively, I'd hate to have you talk negatively about something. My goodness. Well, uh, fair. But at the same time, it's, you know, uh, is is I think everybody's allergic to Bobby Lashley, oh, unfortunately, including Leo Rush. You know, I don't, I don't know what this means for Leo Rush at the end of the day, but Man, I want him doing high flying shit over on two hundred five live. I don't know if well, he's still doing both. I mean, he's he's doing it on both. I know, ends. but on paper, it looks great that he's doing this kind of hype man for the almighty butt slapping Bobby Lashley. Oh, that but crap needs to stop. I'm sitting over here going, oh god, oh, is this spelling bad things for Leo Rush too? Well, at the end of the day, like I'm not going to rate this too highly on whether or not this is a, a a bad thing for this guy's careers. Again, they were on the card. Nakamura wasn't. Nor was Rusev, so you know that's that right there is is saying something. I'm not I'm not willing to say that it's a it's a bust yet. I don't think Bobby Lashley is that bad. I actually think that this is the best he's been since he's come back to WWE. That I agree with you. So on. Is, this is the best he's done since. Yeah. So I I don't think it's all is lost. The butt slapping needs to stop. That's getting to be a little bit much, and it's it's silly. Um, but but well, but it'll get you over, pal. Yeah. Stop. Just stop. Um, but at the same time. You know there there are some bright spots here, but uh, the fact that it's on the pre-show raises an eyebrow. But wait and see. Yeah, yeah. I'd say. Uh, but enough about the pre-show. Let's get to the main show. Let's get to the the meat, the meat of the show, and start off with the mixed match challenge finals. That was the opening match of the entire show. 
I mm, could have been on the pre-show and it would have been just fine, but we had Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox versus R-Truth and Carmella. Should, it, should this have been pre-show, Nick, or was this a good way to kick off the actual show? Yes, but one asterisk. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw a caveat in here. Because of the stakes involved with the outcome of this match, no, it should not have been on the pre-show. I, I want everybody to take a step back for a second and recognize the fact that not a call-up, not an up-and-comer, not a big surprise, but our truth is going to be coming out at number 30 in a month at Royal Rumble. Right. Let that sink in for just a second. Uh, might have sounded good, on, again, on paper, as, as introducing it as a stake to try to get people to watch the Mixed Match Challenge, but for the as far as I can remember, number 30 at the Royal Rumble has either been some big, huge surprise, reveal, call-up, whatever, or they've won, or it's been like a Triple H or a guarantee winner or somebody that, oh, my God, that person's going to win. Our truth is not winning Royal Rumble. No, I don't. And uh, it's been a while since I, I, I think it's been a while since a number 30 has won the Rumble. But, but you, you, you hit on a, a very good point there, which is that 30 is usually very anticipated. Who is it going to be? Uh, and when it's not someone that's a, that people want to see there, whether it's Batista or, or Rey Mysterio or whoever, uh, and they'd rather see somebody else, Daniel Bryan, then people get fussy. So maybe this might be a way to dispel that a little bit. It might be that now people are anticipating number 29 because they know our truths going to be number 30 and it might be a joke entrance kind of thing. Uh, who knows? Or I heard somebody say in the discussion group last night, our uh, truth thinking it's number 30 actually comes out first. Oh, that's good. That's good. And I was like, oh, that'd be really funny. That'd be really, really that's good. That's really good. I like that. Or he comes out 29 thinking it's, you know, whatever. He doesn't come out 30. He comes out on another spot thinking it's 30. That's good. Right. That's really good. I like that. I, <laughs> so props to whoever said that. Yeah. I forget who, who oh, actually that, it was. That's, but that's good. I want to give credit where credit's due. That's, that would be really funny if he comes out comes out as number one and goes, no, no, I'm number one. No, truth, you're number 30. No, I'm, my, I'm coming out number oh, one. Oh, my bad. Well, I guess I'll just fight anyway. <laughs> I'm just here. Yeah. I guess I'll just hang out. Uh, whereas, you know, and, and also on the woman's side, Carmella's now going to be number 30, which is also, it's, it's fine, but... Let's face Carmella ain't winning that thing either. You know, it's just kind of a, no. it's, it's, it's a gimme. But uh, yeah, it's fine. Hey, Carmella and R-Truth win. It's fine. We knew that they were, we both called it. We both said on our pickums that they were going to win. It's fine. And this was a fine match. It was a, it was a goof match. It was a little bit sloppy. It was a little clumsy. But uh, it was also fun. And there was a, some fun spots like during the dance break, the Singh brothers hop up there and start dancing along as well until R-Truth tricks them and tosses them out of the ring. It was, just, it was just a fun little fluff match to get the audience hyped up, and it was effective. And afterwards, you had a little skit where R-Truth and Carmella were asked where they were going on their all exp- quote-unquote all-expense-paid vacation to anywhere in the world, You know, because WWE superstars are known for getting all kinds of time off to go on, on trips like this. And, the, right. and uh, R-Truth uh, got Car- Carmella all wound up thinking it was somewhere special because he had had the chance to pick it before the match. But now they're going to Stamford, Connecticut, apparently. Uh, home to ESPN and WWE. So yeah, cute little skit. The audience was laughing. It was I. Th- I thought it was a fine, fluffy way to start the show, but it could have been yeah. in the pre-show, and I wouldn't have minded. And the next match could have opened the show, and I I thought would have been a better, perhaps a better fit for the top of the show. Uh, but that was the SmackDown Tag Championship between the Bar, the Usos, and the New Day, a triple threat. I think the only reason why this didn't open the show was because they like to open the show with something that's going to get the audience hyped up and make, make, them, make them feel good. 
Uh, and this, with the bar retaining, I think would have, uh, f- I, have I don't know if it would have soured the audience, but it would have flattened them down a little bit. You know, and the, and this match. The one thing I want to talk about with this match specifically is why in the hell was this not the TLC match? That's a, and that's been raised on a lot of different podcasts and a lot of different media as people going, how was this not a TL with these three teams in a triple threat match? How do you on, on a TLC pay per view? How do you not have this be a TLC match? It almost writes itself. Or the TLC match. Well, I would have been fine with that. No, I would not have been. I, I, I think that the TLC match was, it needed to be a TLC match, and I would, I would oh, not sure. change that uh, for yeah, anything. That. But that being said, this, this could, and, could and should have been. It was still a great match. These guys are fantastic. I, you know, I, I, I'm always impressed by how these guys are able to pull off great matches. They all have such chemistry together. There was also a bit of contention about the rules, uh, and they explained them at the beginning of the match. There's three. When you do it with a tag team, it's weird. You're either doing it, um, basically, this, or you're either doing it tornado tag, or you're doing it the way they did it with this one, where it was only two men can be in the ring at any given time, regardless of what team they're on. And I just saw everybody's heads kind of explode and their eyes gloss over and you you turn into Zach Galifianakis from Hangover where you're doing all the calculus trying to figure out who's who and who's live and who's uh, legal at any given moment. And it's just chaos. It's, and it's very easy for a ref or for the performers to forget who is in and, and it becomes very easy to be confusing. And sure enough, they did lose control. Over who? There was a point where Kofi wasn't legal for like five minutes, but he was he was still in the in the match. Yeah, and I, I just at a certain point you just have to check your brain at the door, like any good B movie, and just sit back and enjoy the exhibition of what you're watching. And and that's what I did. Yeah. These guys put on barn burners of matches every single. Yeah, time. my only complaint was it is what it is. Too quick to be honest with you. Yeah, you know. Well, looking ahead at what they had to had coming after them, I can understand why. Yeah, it, it just you know? it felt abrupt after all the buildup and the incredible spots and, and athleticism in this match. It just seemed a shame to have it end with Xavier Woods on the apron, you know, coming in off, after after knocking Cesar off the apron. He comes in on a brogue kick, one, two, three. Very, just very quick and, and kind of matter of fact. Um, but it's, it's so much good action before that. The Usos felt kind of useless throughout the whole match, too, uh, if I'm being honest. They they didn't because they kept them out of the ring, which maybe was that was the point. But I, like, why even have a triple threat? You know, at that may, point, if you're only going to have, they had a couple of spots, sure. But it was a, the whole it was first like, half well, yeah, of the it was match, like a hot they, tag, they, and then they, they made a point of keeping them. It out. It was a hot tag. They came in and did a bunch of, of high flying athletic stuff, which contrasts well to kind of the more ground based game between the bar and the new day. And you had coat. You mean super kicks? What's uh, and and <laughs> yes, and lots and lots of super kicks. An endless run of super. Good kicks. lord. Imagine if can you imagine if the if the elite if the Bucks ever come to WWE and have a match with the Usos, it's just basically going to be just one big super kick. That's all it's going to be. So super kick, maybe maybe a flip, but also it's a super kick match. <laughs> so here's the thing. So the bar retain uh, again. Now here's any of these three teams at any point could have the SmackDown tag titles, right? They've all they're all five yep. time champions at this point. This we had said there. This was the three sided coin. If we had one, we could yeah, flip it. Yeah, because any of them could hold it, and you'd be all right. Cool. It's, it's we actually our biggest mistake we've ever had on our show here on the podcast was not knowing which one of these three had the tag titles in any given time. 
Right. <laughs> there was one time we because at the end of the day it doesn't matter they're all baller they're all put, gonna put on great yeah, matches but that's the thing is who who takes it off these three who breaks this cycle that's what I want to know is there besides the Bludgeon Brothers who are out right now I think they're the only ones who really have held it besides these three all year if I'm correct uh, so yeah is there is there another team besides maybe uh, the Bludgeon Brothers once they're healthy or once Rowan's healthy rather that's going to hold these titles. I don't know. Uh, ask me again uh, th- on this week's show after we hear from Pop Events. Well, I, I think he's only shaking up Raw, mm. according to what he said. Because SmackDown ain't got no problems. Smack, no one, no one's, no one's hating on SmackDown. Everyone's hating on Raw. But, I'll, I'll uh, wait and anyway. see what he has to say tonight because you never know. It, it is. You know what? It, he may just be announcing another shakeup after Mania six months from now. We don't. We don't know. That's that seems premature. But maybe it's a shakeup after the Rumble. I don't know. Uh, anyway, in Pickums, I picked the bar to retain, and you picked the Usos. Both of them, as we said, solid choices. It was a it was a three way coin flip, yep. but uh, as as usual, I picked the proper side of the coin. Next up, we had a TLC match, the first TLC match of the night. I use that in big, heavy quotation marks. TLC match: Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin had his boy Heath, uh, Heath Slater as a referee, and he pretty much immediately had him start counting Braun Strowman out. Uh, as if he was going to forfeit the match because, of course, Braun Strowman has a quote-unquote shattered elbow. In real life, of course, he had to go have surgery on it and uh, got to the count of seven before Braun's music hit and he came out with his arm in a sling, a very serious-looking sling. Came down to the ring and Corbin said, well, it's fine that you showed up. I don't get the forfeit, but you still can't fight me with one arm. I'll still beat you. And Braun Strowman retorted with, well, yeah, maybe. You might be able to, but the thing is, TLC matches... There's no DQ. And all of the people that Baron Corbin quote-unquote wronged on Monday Night Raw the last few weeks came out to the ringside with chairs. You had Gable and Rude. You had Finn Balor. Apollo Crews was there looking useless. <laughs> so, uh, and, then, uh, and then ultimately, Heath Slater took off his ref shirt and said, you know what? I'm in on this too. And everyone had a grand old time beating the absolute crap out of Baron Corbin to the adulation of the audience. Baron Corbin begging off, running up the ramp, trying to escape. And who should meet him at the top of the ramp? But Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle coming back to put the put the nail in the coffin. And uh, Strowman puts one boot on Corbin's chest. One, two, three. Braun Strowman squashes the crap out of Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin no longer going to be the permanent general manager. So we or will see what happens to that on Raw. Or will he? <laughs> I think given how much vitriol they put on him, this last Monday on Raw, basically blaming all the problems of Raw on him. I, I have no doubt that he will not be involved in a, an authority figure angle in the near future. Do you think Kurt Angle is going to resume his role as general manager? And if not, who's your speculation of who's going to take Corbin's place? You know, I, I want to think it's Kurt just because he is booked to be there tonight in Sacramento. Uh, it would be the logical decision, and he was fun as the GM. Uh, I just don't know what his travel schedule is. If he if he wants to be back on the road with them, or 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 what the deal is. If not him or Corbin, it's wide open. Yeah. It's wide open. Oh, will will it be a face or a heel manager? Obviously, Vinny Max coming out tonight to shake quote unquote shake things up, uh, which is just a very transparent way of saying, uh, "Hey, we know shit's been bad." We're gonna, we're you know, look how we're changing things. And I think someone in the Facebook discussion group, I went back and and looked at the uh, the messenger chat, and uh, one of the things uh, someone said, I, I forgive me for not remembering who it was, but if, if it was you, it was a good call, and that was that uh, you know, I think WWE used Corbin as a proxy 
So to take the heat off of the company, everyone mad at the company for their bad booking decisions on Monday Night Raw, they kind of put all of that on Baron Corbin and having this big beatdown of Corbin in this segment was a way to blow off that negative emotion and steam for as much of the WWE fans as they can, people who got worked by this angle. Um, and then, of course, Vince, you know, Vinnie Mac's going to come out tonight in order to kind of, kind of come up the other side of the river, as it were, and uh, say, look, we're on the up and up. We're fixing things now. So, uh, but the, th- the thing is, do you think that's effective? Do you think that was effective to have done that? Unnecessarily so, but yeah, effective. Um, I think the payoff, ultimate payoff will be who replaces him. And I don't think it's yeah. going to be Kurt, if I'm, gonna, if I'm being completely honest. I do, who do, you I think, do it's think it's wide open. Um, I don't, I think, I think you could jockey an Alexa Bliss into there f- as a temporary. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, pfft. Who wouldn't want to hear the glass shatter, you know, uh, as just that, a crazy fantasy thing? <laughs> you know, that's maybe in my own I'd rather, head, sure, but I'd rather hear a car crash. Uh, frankly. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't. I didn't really like him as G. Yeah. No. He needs. He needs redemption from that awful last one where he was getting bullied by Stephanie. I'm just saying. Listen, I think it could be. I always want to see Mick Foley on TV. I like Corbin in the role. I think Alexa should have a run. We've seen success with Paige over on SmackDown Live. It would be fun to have. But are we ready for yet another heel GM character? I don't know. So it's really up in the air. I don't think it's going to be Kurt for the record, but I I, I have yeah. no idea who could possibly step into that role. So here's the other question is, and this is I'm asking you as a, a Strowman mark yep. because you know for me I I, I kind of cr- scratch my head a little bit about it. Was uh, Strowman coming out and essentially saying I I needed to ask for help to beat up Corbin. Now, even if with the storyline stuff around it, we're like, all these guys had been wronged by Corbin, but uh, still, you know, he, he put together a posse. Does that hurt the Strowman character as a, as a monster, as a, a badass, if he has to ask for help in situations like this? I don't think so. I think what it did is cement him as a legit face, if, it, if he wasn't already, um, in, in, a, in a sense of he, now he's got the locker room rallying behind him and supporting his his ascension um so at 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 the very least that i don't think it hurts his character at all um for him to have asked for help i think it shows you know great fortitude and character in that sense of still showing up you know 90 percent of things is 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 being present is showing up so even if somebody else had to do the work for him the fact that they were willing to is the is the key thing here? Not that he had to ask. For uh, fair enough. I I, I thought it was a lit. Uh, I I wanted to see him come out and work through it and put Corbin through like some tables or something. But sure. uh, I can see your point on that. But uh, we both did pick Braun to win this. It seemed the obvious logical conclusion to a story that on and off was told pretty well. I thought that suddenly kind of shoehorning everyone in as being these rebels against Corbin was. Uh, they didn't define that well, so the payoff didn't feel as strong as it could have. But uh, it was still, it, it was a very clean end to the story. So yep. that was fine. Uh, also, a very clean end to a, a poorly told story was the tables match between Natalia and Ruby Riot. I actually thought this match overperformed what I was expecting. Eh. I don't know about you. No. I thought I thought the pace the pace got really sluggish at a couple of times. But overall, there were some monster spots in this. And uh, so, first of all, you had uh, the Riot Squad out there with Ruby Riot. 
And uh, Natalia kept having to fight them off. And both members of the Riot Squad, Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan, took monster bumps through a couple of tables. Can we talk about that one that Liv Morgan took a spear standing on the apron through a table and just went flying? I mean, you can't fake that. You don't get to phone that one in. That is legit. That was a bump and a half, but I will say I really enjoyed her selling of it afterwards where she was gasping for air and wheezing and whining on the sideline. It was fantastic sell, uh, but as you said, she probably didn't have to work too hard to sell that. No. They played <laughs> it in slow motion replay spot. a couple of times and just seeing her Oof. little body flying through the air to land on the table. Wow. Yeah. Well done. And then also, I mean, uh, and then Sarah Logan took a big old Natalia powerbomb through the other table. So, you know, there was, I thought, so that's two good bumps right there. With a tables match, it's you're always going to have those sluggish moments where someone has to just be selling their ass off while the other person's setting up a damn table. And this match definitely suffered from that trope. Uh, but I thought that overall, given the fact that this was kind of a, a garbage, cheap heat build to this match, there was a really good job of making some intense moments in this match, whether it was Natalia punching Ruby right up against the barricade outside and screaming at her, don't mess with my family, bitch, which was, I thought, a good intense moment. Um, Ruby Riot, you know, propping up the Needheart table outside, the, the table with the Needheart decal on it. And then Natalia pulling out a table from under the ring with a Ruby Riot decal on it. The cute little touch. Well, when she pulled uh, Neidhart's jacket out from under the ring, I threw my hands up and I went, well, that's that match over. <laughs> Yeah, There's well, <laughs> no way in hell she's losing this now. I, I definitely thought I, I, was, uh, I was going home at that point, too. But then there's that little thing in the back of my head was unless they really want Ruby to get some monstrous heat. They were definitely selling it as a tribute to Jim Needhart, like kind of a farewell match to him. And as much as a lot of people kvetch about the, the tastelessness, the potential tastelessness of using a family member's passing uh, for cheap heat, in this match, there was a couple of moments where I actually went, okay, this is definitely a tribute to the man through his daughter. Yeah. Um, you know, once once all of that build is aside, the match itself is definitely, you know, she's, you know, pointing up at the roof and tribute and put on the glasses and put on the jacket. And it was definitely a tribute to him. And in that sense, I really did appreciate what they did with it. It did, it did, it did end up feeling um, like their way of, of, of celebrating the man agreed i just hope it's you know let's move on i i, I need natty to have uh, not now i need ruby to go have a feud with somebody that can work at her pace yes she is definitely faster paced than natalia natalia is more of a powerhouse worker and ruby definitely sold her butt off for natalia ended up getting put through a table herself power bombed off the middle rope i believe yeah. through that table um but it was i hey i thought that i was ready for this match to be boring and except for a couple of pacing issues i thought it was actually a pretty exciting match it was fine it did its job yeah it did its job i did pick natalia to win this match you went for ruby riot i don't blame you i like i think we both said it's just a matter of time before ruby gets the nod but this wasn't the time with this feud and the fact they were they were doing this for jim needhart yeah it was definitely natalia natalia needed to pick this up uh, just as a way to pay tribute to her dad if i had known she was going to pull the glasses and the and the jacket out from under the ring i would have picked her all day because there's no way in that hell was, Ruby's yeah. going over that. Well, and <laughs> yeah, right, you're not losing. But that's the thing is, I kind of felt like they were going to go for that kind of feel good stuff when I made this pick. Yeah. So, uh, the next match we had on the card: Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre, the Irish 
versus the Scottish. Now, one thing uh, before so- you get too far into this, they spoiled this. Uh, we remember when we were doing our picks on, uh, on earlier this week, last week, uh, we were going back and forth about whether it's going to be the demon or not, and if the, yeah. if the demon comes out, it can't lose, so McIntyre's got to lose. And so we did all kinds of little prop bets around this whole thing, but they ruined it with the Braun Strowman TLC match because Finn Balor was out there as the man. With a, you know what's really funny? Actually, during that TLC match, I even thought, does he have enough time to go back and get in his demon makeup? Oh, no, it takes like four um, hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way in hell. Yeah, but that's but here's the thing is that and I think we overspent time speculating on the demon. You kind of always have to though with Finn Balor because you never know and it really does change how you're going to perceive his matches or or think about his matches or or guess about how his matches are going to go based on if he ever brings out the demon. And obviously it's a very special event kind of thing. Right. Um and we but, already saw know, it at SummerSlam. So we did, but I don't think it's going to be once a year thing. But that being said, so we spent too much time thinking about, is it going to be the demon or not? I'm not just talking about what if it's the man Finn Balor. We pretty much said if it's the man Finn Balor, it's likely he's going to lose because that's just been his trajectory lately and Drew McIntyre needs to look strong. Yeah. And that was kind of how this match looked was Drew McIntyre just being this overwhelming dominant force and Finn being this plucky guy who really was, I thought the way they booked this match, he looked really badass. It's just Drew McIntyre was just so strong and so vicious. Until Dolph Ziggler um, showed up. Well, and that's the thing. This is what we didn't expect was interference in this match. Should have seen Finn it coming, is, honestly. Well, but we spent too much time talking about the demon. Had we talked more about Finn the man, we would have been, what are the other ways out of this? Well, Dolph Ziggler's been involved in this feud. I thought Dolph was going to go away with an injury because of that Claymore kick to the LED screen on last week's Monday Night Raw. So I didn't think he was going to come out and, and interfere. Makes total sense if he's fine, if they want to write him as being okay. It makes total sense that he would, given the history with him and Drew McIntyre. Yep. Um, and so I thought from that sense, it was good booking, yep. especially because Drew looked strong throughout the entire match. Finn looked capable, but just a little bit outmatched by Drew. Uh, it, it made sense for Dolph's character. It gave Finn the win. He ended up picking up the victory after Dolph distracted Drew, gave him a super kick, and then got into a scuffle with him. Finn ends up hitting the coup de grace on Drew. It it ends up being good for everyone involved. Finn stays looking strong. Drew looks strong because it took two guys in a chair to beat him. Uh, and Dolph, it looks like he's someone who's willing to go out and and get his revenge and not wait in the back. Yep. So everyone comes out looking good. Face Dolph is back. <laughs> yeah, and I, I liked what I was seeing from Dolph. After the match, we had Finn backstage saying, you know, yeah, it looked like, like, like I needed help to beat Drew, but I had him on the ropes kind of thing. And Dolph gets in his face and says, you know, yeah, I, I helped you win. Screw you. They end up getting to a scuffle and uh, Finn gets beat up. So uh, now it looks like we're seeing Finn versus Ziggler on Monday Night Raw. Is this going to be a three-way feud now, do you think? Or just Finn and Ziggler are going to start having a little feud? Let them go play because Drew is on. Drew's got the dual rocket boosters like the Falcon Heavy strapped but to him. Well, and but, he's, but, but it's he's Braun and Brock are now locked down for Royal Rumble. So does, what's Drew going to do for the next month, though, is my question. I don't know. Go win Royal Rumble? Mm, maybe. Maybe. That wouldn't be a bad idea. But he doesn't need to. He can be involved in a Finn and Ziggler Triple, uh, triple three-way feud. Sure. In the meantime, sure. I, I just I think about the next month, and I think about you know we're getting we're we're getting ready to go over the the bumps down the fast lane to the road to WrestleMania. We're getting ready to do all that stuff again. So I'm thinking ahead, like the outcomes of what's going to happen for the next four months are all going to hinge on 
what's going to go down. Nick, at if you keep making those so awful that's what puns I'm, with the pay per view names, there's going to be a backlash. I'm just warning you right now. <laughs> oh no! Oh, so anyway, the point is, I think Braun is going to take. I, I made this last. My early thoughts at this point are Braun's going to take it off of Brock uh, at Royal Rumble. Drew McIntyre is going to win, and it's going to set. He's going to pick Braun, and he's going to go down the path of Braun versus McIntyre at WrestleMania for the Universal Championship. That'd be nice. That and that's I that love that. Nice. I would absolutely love that to have a legit. Finally, some legit wrestlers, big men, booking booked properly. Let's get all the Roman out of the way. Let's get the Brock out of the way, and just let's I, move on. That that definitely sounds like a perfect world to me. I I don't always agree with your. Uh, your sentimental picks of booking, but that's one that I absolutely think. I I think it's possible. I don't think it's as likely as you do, but I think it's possible, and I I, I hope it happens. I really do. <laughs> so the pickums on this one was kind of weird. I picked Finn to win, uh, but I had a plus five uh, wager that he would bring out the demon. He did not, so I only pick up. points on that win. You said McIntyre was picking it up, but you put the wager on no demon, a .5 for no demon. So we end up tying both with half a point on this one. So how do you end but points tie? Because I won. I picked the winner, but the points tie because of the wager. Oh, I got you. I got you. That's Gotcha. Getting feisty about my notes. But it so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's anyway, a, it's a tie. You always wager yourselves into these kind of like point five things. Somehow you always end up winning That's, on me. It has nothing to do with my crazy fantastical, you know. No, but hey, and you picked the next one, right? We had Rey Mysterio <laughs> versus Randy Orton in a chairs match, uh, in which I thought was the most boring match on the card. Uh I I I fell asleep and had to rewatch this match. That being said, when I rewatched it, I was I actually said, you know what? This is just a very slowly worked match, but it wasn't bad. The 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 writing was there, the booking was there. It was just paced a little slower than we're used to. Very very sorry, not not slow. Methodical. Very methodical. Yeah. Randy Orton's a very methodical. And Ray and Ray Mysterio's forty four years old. So <laughs> <laughs> so is it randy's got to be getting up there too at this point, uh ordinate Orton, Orton a spring chicken but but ray is 44 and still doing what he does and that's absolutely insane and he had some very creative yeah. spots in this you know he surfboarded the one chair to the outside or sorry boogie boogie he boogie boarded awesome. it he you know like uh, on his stomach to the outside and landed yeah. on randy that was a really cool spot uh and then the finish where randy set up four chairs for an rko and uh, Ray gave him like what was like a hurricane Rana onto the chairs and picked up a quick a quick yeah. quick roll up win. Uh, Ray Ray picking up the win over Randy fairly clean. Uh, yeah. So what did you think of this match? You think it had the the right intensity to to match its pace or could have been on the pre show? Oh, you are not seeing Randy Orton the pre show. I would have friend, rather seen Ray this on the pre show than the cruiserweight championship match. Ooh, well, I think saying. you're the only one there because these guys are way too big of stars to be on the pre-show, even if a championship's involved. Eh, eh. Uh, just, just, just speaking logic, man. I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but it is true. That being said, I, I don't know if this feud continues now. I'm, I'm kind of over it, and I don't really know where they go to pick it up from here. Uh, whether or not Orton finally gets revenge on Mysterio for this win, or if this was a blow-off, if this was Mysterio blowing off this whole feud. I don't know, and, and frankly... I'm kind of I'm kind of over it. I, I wish I weren't because these are two legacy amazing stars and I would love to see them be in more exciting feuds than this I one. I think Orton might be ushering in the uh, impending arrival of Lars Sullivan if I'm being honest. That's well, what I how think would, he's how would do Orton, next. How would Orton 
uh, presage that? Do I mean? I have no idea. Lars is just going to come in. I hope and just be an absolute. The way that they're doing these video packages, like they're just. I'm hoping that he comes in and just runs complete chaos across the entire card. I wonder if he's going to start in a program with someone high up, or if he's going to come in like like uh, Braun or Naya, where they just do squashes for a while. Maybe, but you know what I mean? who can you squash on SmackDown Live? Uh, local talent, my friend. Local talent. Oh, okay, sure. Fine. You know, that's like you don't come in. And, you know, not 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 big workers. You come in and squash local talent. Yeah. But um, yeah, so you picked that one. You did pick Mysterio. I went for Orton. I don't even remember why I picked Orton, but I did. There you go. Uh, then next we had the Raw Women's Championship. Your favorite match of the night: Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey. I, dude. I thought this was really good. I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. Well, I guess it's the best and I can I, hope I for. I enjoyed the the aspect that I enjoyed was watching Ronda Rousey just spider monkey all over Nia Jax. There really is no better term for it than spider monkey because she was all up over <laughs> Nia. So Nia, here's the thing: whatever you think of her wrestling skills, she is. If you have someone like Ronda who is just preternaturally athletic, she's a freak, and she is. Uh, you know, whatever you say about her on the mic or her, uh, when she has a pay-per-view match, it is, you could power a city with the electricity. She's incredible. She is absolutely incredible. And Nia Jax, when some, with, with working with someone who can do what Ronda does, she's a fantastic base because she's big and strong and can work, she can stand there and that person can crawl all over her. Or do you yeah. know do moves like Ronda did? She did a step up knee and a step up uh, Superman punch off of Nia, both of which looked amazing. Uh, that cross body to the outside, holy crap! People worked. They their showed entire... all of those in slow motion, and I was just I, my jaw was on the floor going. On, dude, wow. people worked their entire career to be able to do a splash like that and make it look that amazing. Ronda has been doing this for how long? And it looks that good? Are you freaking kidding me? And some of those, uh, some of those. I, wanna, I also want to comment on her selling. Uh, she's selling like a pro yes, already. Then that takes a decade of experience to be able to do that kind of stuff. And uh, you guys, I've been down on Ronda throughout most of the year. I, I, I finally saw the the potential of Ronda Rousey last night. And yes, unfortunately, it was with Nia. But I want to echo what you and I think even Jared said last night. Nia makes a good base for someone yeah. that is agile as 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 agile as ronda rousey is to be able to move around her mm -hmm. and, and just kind of be there to receive uh the punishment yes be, like, be so. in the right place shift your weight in the right way and that's exactly what she was doing here uh you know moving when ronda moves it was all i thought very well done naya played her part extremely well in this match and ronda as well uh any every moment that she needed to act badass or look back at look badass she completely did. She absolutely did, including the ending when Tamita tried to sneak in. Ronda chased her off and then got Nia into a hold, kissed that fist, that face breaker, hashtag face breaker, and uh, just put her into that nasty arm bar. Just the way she went down to, to put it on it just looks vicious. It was. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop the podcast and delete all our episodes if you ever do that again. What's that? The hashtag face breaker i got you to do it you just did it now you're gonna kick yourself off the own, your own podcast and you got you i'm, to do I'm it. shutting this shit down <laughs> nice knowing you guys take care oh man well here's the thing did this feud ultimately uh, was this 
all we expected from this feud was to have there be an obstacle in front of Ronda Rousey and have it make her look good like she can overcome a big obstacle while we're waiting for everything to get set up with the rest of the women's division, which we'll get which we'll get into because that all played out kind of how we figured it would. Was this did this work to fill that gap? Did it ultimately once we look at this match, even though the, we thought the build was a little bit lackluster, did it did this pay off? Was this a good payoff to this? This all happened because of what happened with Becky. From from what I understand, it wasn't supposed to be Nia uh, to face Ronda at TLC. It was, was going to be... Uh, I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> Nia hitting Becky was the accident <laughs> on the invasion of Raw. And it was supposed to be somebody else, but they've filled the void now with Nia. Nia was already building to get- towards Ronda before that. It's just that that put the rocket underneath it because Nia got so much heat from that. It just it blew it up. She was already scheduled to face Ronda before that. Okay. Then, then what are we talking? Okay, but I'm just saying, like none of it, none of it matters. Is the point? I guess is what I wanted to get to right. because because of what happened later in the show and what's going to happen next. As we talked about earlier this week, yeah. so and that's the thing. Is, is, by Nia, but, but go back to obscurity. But that obscurity, she's been on the like one of the main features of the division all year. What are you even talking about? Excuse no, but, me, as I roll so roll my eyes so hard, I fall I'm out of my. I'm sorry. Chair. I'm sorry. You don't want her to be a major part of the women's division, but she is, has, and will be. So deal a very with large it. part of the deal. women's. Oh division. my! You're exactly whoa, right. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're going to fat shaming now. Really? Is no, this what you I'm sunk, not, that's not. This what, is what that's you your sunk interpretation, to? sir. Oh no! Come on, Nick. Oh my God! This has gone too far. So we have to move on. You're losing. You're losing your composure here. Stay professional, for God's sake. Oh man! Good okay. Lord! All right. Yeah, let's lot, go I, talk about. Okay, so the card officially started here. All I was trying to say. All I was trying to say was that there was a limited use for this particular feud, and I thought that this was a good payoff to it. That's all I was trying to say, man. We both. It served its purpose. It served its, it served its purpose. We both knew Ronda was going to win. We both picked Ronda. Moving on, as you said. The WWE Championship, Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. Uh, Was this the right place to have it on the card with two matches after it, one of them Intercontinental Championship and then the TLC triple threat match for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship? Was this the right place to have Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the WWE Championship? I don't think so. I think you could have had... Um, which one was I? I think you could have had the Braun Corbin TLC match happen here, but uh, and have the Intercontinental. I think actually the Intercontinental Championship should have gone way earlier in the card for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. And I think you could have had the the Corbin Strowman TLC, and then the Ronda and Nia Women's uh, Raw Championship, and then the Triple Threat. I would have. Had, I don't. I, 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 agree I with think. You, except I think I would have, both of these matches were in the wrong place. I would have reversed. You on the uh, on which one the Corbin or the Raw Women's Championship? I would have done Raw Women's Championship, uh, Baron Corbin TLC, and then the final TLC match. But I think they wanted to give the impression of splitting up the TLC matches, plus blow off that whole Raw steam earlier in the thing. The, here's the problem. Um, I think this was the right place for this match because you, in terms of where it was in relation to the Intercontinental Championship, which I saw some people kvetching about, is why is the IC belt getting higher billing than the WWE belt? When you look at how both of these matches, which went one after the other, how they were, uh, how, how they were laid out, how they were booked, and then how, they, how that played out with the crowd, uh, you would not have wanted this match to go second to last because the, sec- because the IC match, which we'll get into... It, that got a really poor reception. 
And part of that yeah. might have been the fact that this match and the next match both had a similar pace, even though they were very different styles of matches. The Daniel Bryan AJ Styles match was a bit more technical and it felt more like uh, a couple of guys wrestling, whereas Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose felt more like a brawl. Uh, but both of them took a while to get going. Both of them had not as methodical as, as Randy and Ray, but definitely a, a, a more leisurely pace for most of the, of the runtime. But, yeah. uh, but people were really into this match. People were chanting, this is awesome at this match, even though most of it, as, as we said, was technical stuff. Um, but yeah, San Jose is a pretty strong, marky kind of crowd that get it gets into like legit wrestling matches yes. like this. So that's I think they were. I was all over this match. I loved this match. I thought it was fantastic too. I mean, to talk about talking about two of the greatest workers in the world, and even though they were having a WWE style match where their their move sets a little bit more limited, uh, and they have to go back to like you know the certain set moves, they found nice ways to tweak that and find reversals and stuff like that that we don't often see uh aj going for that uh moonsault reverse ddt daniel bryan stopping him in the middle of it turning it into a cravat and a suplex which was sick uh, that that tw- it was almost like a neck twist suplex kind of just wow yeah and, and the whole time he's like clubbing clubbing blows underneath yeah just I, I was like, wow. What did you think? I, that's something I had never seen before. Yeah, well, and this is the thing. So it's very common and very easy for heels to be kind of uh, wimpy, chicken shit heels. I think back, particularly the one, the first one pops into my head is Seth Rollins, uh, Kevin Owens as well, where they sure. just, they they go from being guys who are dominant, uh, and then they become champions and they become wimps. And they just all they want to do is beg off and, and everything. And Daniel Bryan did beg off at one point in this match, but it was absolutely just for heat. He did come across looking like a killer. And and I don't I wanted to see what you thought about the Daniel Bryan heel character now that we've seen it in an actual match against a legitimate contender like AJ Styles. I'm absolutely as long as he doesn't wear cardigans and, and canvas boat shoes. Hey, you know, if, here's the thing: what do you? Well, he's going to wear cardigans and canvas boat shoes when he comes out to to give promos and stuff but as long as he comes into his matches wearing his the dragon knee pads and looking like this are you going to be okay with it if he wrestles every match like that who gives a shit what he wears <laughs> that's all i'm saying all right well uh, hopefully he- I- i'm all over the new daniel bryan i'm a big fan of old brian danielson american dragon brian danielson yep. so i seeing this daniel bryan yeah, I'm all over this. And working with AJ Styles, please let this run all the way to Mania. Yeah, yeah I just Dan, milk this for all it's worth. Daniel did win this clean with a, a roll up reversal. Uh, so you know he did come out looking like he legit. With I mean, no shenaniganry, he legit beat the guy who held the held the title all year long and was able to fend off Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe. They made a big deal pointing out all the people that AJ beat throughout the year. Daniel just beat him clean, completely clean. And and by proxy, all of the people that AJ had beaten, is that what you're getting at? Pretty much. So it, yeah. it, 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 I'm curious to see if this feud continues or if AJ's now beaten and has to psychologically kind of rebuild himself, like you're seeing with you know, like a a Cedric point. Alexander. I, did, I didn't even really put that together. AJ Styles had that title for over a year, Yep. and he's faced some of the top working superstars in the WWE. Yep. None of them were able to beat him, but Daniel Bryan was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello. That's a, I thought that was a big statement with this match. And 
Uh, I'm very curious to see if they want to make this feud continue, and if so, if they keep Daniel looking strong like this, or if he has to resort to more shady heel tactics to keep the title. So, yeah. Or if he moves on to somebody else, and AJ moves on to somebody else as well. So I'm very. I think we could see Face Miz pop up by the time we get to Royal Rumble, but I'm not mm, betting. I'm on not it seeing that before WrestleMania because he still has a long story to go with Shane. So I'm. Yeah, that's true. We both did pick Daniel Bryan to retain. It was way too early to take it off of him. Uh, so this does make sense. Just very excited about the future here. Not so excited about the future of Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental Championship. We had that match next, and. Mm, I want to say that I liked this match because I thought it was really well worked for the most part. I'd say it was probably about five to seven minutes too long. Uh, and the crowd crapped on it, too, at one point chanting, this is boring. Do you think that's because the match was actually boring or did the was it just a bad build for this feud? What what happened? What went wrong here? Match was in the wrong place. Everybody was just anxious for the what was coming next and nobody wanted to see this after the masterpiece of Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles that we but just But how saw. do you how do so you So that's not to say that this match wasn't good. But the, no, but here's the thing. How do you have people not want to see Seth Rollins Dean Ambrose blood feud? How how do you have that? How, what happened? You know, this, this this is the match, in my opinion, that should have opened the show. But even then, was this the match that if it had opened... The, so, two reasons why it didn't open the show. One, if they had had this match at the top of the show, would it have gotten the audience fired up enough because of the slower pace, because it was a lot of brawling, because there was a lot of like pauses for emotion? Do you think this would have gotten the crowd hyped up enough? One. And two, the finish of this match was Dean Ambrose trying to do the fist bump to Seth, getting in Seth's head, having Seth freak out and get emotional, become a little bit too aggressive and play right into Dean's hands where he pops up after playing possum, gives Seth the dirty deeds for the one, two, three. Dean Ambrose is your new Intercontinental Champion. They don't want to open the show with a heel winning, right? Is that... I don't know. That, that's the other reason why I don't think it would have opened the show. But at this position, you know, is this the, this the was this the right match to put here? And if not... Is there a way they could have tweaked this match to be more appropriate for this spot? I would say... Yeah, not have Dean win? <laughs> Reg- hey, listen. Regardless of the position, the outcome of this match is what's important. The outcome of the match determines how it uh, how the crowd is going to react to it, regardless of where what position it is on the card. You could have put it on the first. You could have put it last. You could have put it in the middle. It, would, it was going to be the same reaction. I, 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 I agree that there's the blood feud between these two should get a lot more attention. But that's a problem. It's a long-storied rivalry between these two that most of us have been on this train with from the beginning. Right. Since And S.H.I.E.L.D. debuted. They came out and invaded it. TLC six years ago, five years ago. So we've been on this ride now with The Shield and Roman and Seth and Dean and all of their grand slams of titles that they've all had. I mean, I'm in fully invested in this. I don't know what people, how they thought it was boring. I, I loved this match. Well, then, l- and I loved the emotion and the story behind it and the psychology. That is a wrestling match to me. I'm sorry you didn't get all of your high-flying, flippy shit spots that in in a fast food variety but this is a wrestling match this is a wrestling story that's gone on for years but, this is, but that's i think the problem is that as far as the story they didn't tell it well in this match they didn't have a good build to it for for one thing with all, with all the stupid stuff they're doing with the dean ambrose heel character 
They're trying to get Renee involved, and it's distracting. And it's, exa- and I don't yeah, care. we can we could talk about the Renee. Th- we'll talk about the Renee thing at some point. I don't know if now is the right time because that that seems to be another aspect of this that's just weird and not working. Having her kind of side with Dean and having Corey go after her it, that was strange, and that also I thought distracted from the match. Here's the here's the thing though is that I did have a problem with the story that they told in this match, and I think that if they had put it at another point in the show with this match as it was structured, it would have still been a problem. These guys are supposed to be having a blood feud, and they come out, and the first thing they do is lock up. They don't beat the crap out of each other. There's no intensity. It's just it's just kind of like, all right, well, I guess we're just going to have a wrestling match. It's this is supposed to, These guys are supposed to hate each other's guts. They're furious at each other. I didn't get that feeling until halfway through the match to the point where... Well, when they finally got in the middle of the ring, halfway through this match, maybe even three quarters of the way through this match, they finally stood toe to toe, toe to toe, and started beating the crap out of each other. You know, just punching each other in the face, like hockey fight, right? As they called on the on the. And that, there was even a point uh, Rollins stood up and goes, "You wanted this, Ambrose. You wanted this." And that was close this. to the end of the match. But when they yeah. were punching each other like that. On commentary, they go, oh, there they go. They're punching each other. We knew it was going to come to this. And I forget if it was Cole or Graves who said, I thought it was going to happen much earlier. And that was my thought exactly. I was like, yes, it should have happened at the beginning of the damn match. You've already killed so much of the the, the heat on this feud, how, how much there should be. This should be, you know, we should be like reading through the TV screen that these guys are on like at an 11 on fire hating each other. But I'm not getting that at all from this feud. And, and and I think that's one reason why it just, at a certain point halfway through the match, the audience was just checked out on this. Not only the placement on the card, not only the fact that they were waiting for the next match at this point, but the fact that this match should have been so much hotter than it was. And it wasn't. It just wasn't. It was a well-worked match. It was fine. Everything technically went fine. And, it, and do I want more flippy stuff? Sometimes. But I don't need it. And Seth Rollins, does he work better at a faster pace and not uh, selling a leg injury? Yes. But that's also not what this match needed was Seth uh, selling a leg injury and being hobbled and being slow. This match needed intensity. And it didn't have the kind of intensity that it should have had. I yeah, I agree with you to that extent. I mean, it, it would have been great if uh, Dean uh, Seth comes out first and Dean just halfway through his entrance just runs in and just jumps him from Bingo. behind, starts beating the shit out or of vice him, versa. drags him to the ring, ref rings the bell, and just blah, 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 and they just go at exactly. each other. Completely agree with you. But I, I, I can't sit here and say that this was a bad match or that it was boring or the, any of that stuff, the reactions that we've heard over the last 24 well, hours. What's I, I, I'm sorry, I don't buy The most that. telling reaction is Wrestling Observer News actually reported today that Vince McMahon was furious after this match. He was furious about this match uh, from, from all reports that he, was, he hated this match and he, he was incensed uh, by how it performed. So take that for what you will. All righty we'll, then. Well, hey... Let's talk about the but match. You're right. Let's move on from that. I picked Dean to win that. Obviously, you picked Seth. We had our opinions about who should have that. Dean uh, Dean picked up the IC belt. I think it's the best thing for his heel character. But given how mad Vince is at that match, let's see where this feud goes from here. If the whole thing gets scrapped or reset or if Vince shakes things up, we'll find out tonight on Raw. You're right, though. We got to talk about the match. The TLC match, triple threat match for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair versus Asuka. And I've only got two words for you. Good God. Good Lord. This For anybody that has ever doubted that women 
superstars were capable of performing at a level of the men. For anybody that has ever, you know, scoffed at the idea of divas, <laughs> oh, they, they just they're just Instagrammers in bikinis doing influence stuff and posing. I want you to go watch this. Well, match. just to be clear, Kelly Kelly's not going to pull off this match. All right. Understood, uh, and and that's that's totally fair. You know the person the personnel changes. Tori Tori, Tori Wilson's not pulling this match off, but the, but these three, these three are pulling this match off for sure. Un- unbelievable. I'm I'm almost at a loss. It's hard to describe. And forgive me for for not finding my words quicker, but it's hard to describe just how good this match was. And and I feel like it was rushed. I even feel think- like it was a little bit rushed. Like, they could have gone for another 15, 20 minutes. They could have pulled 10 minutes out of the Seth and Dean match and put it here, and I'd have been just a... Here's the thing. Had it gone another 10 minutes, one of them might have died because, good God, there were some spots in this match. There I thought some, Charlotte might actually have been seriously injured. She might have been, and she might have just manned up through the rest of it. Pardon, the, She might have womaned up for the rest of that match. There was a spot where Becky Lynch go, went for a leg drop, both Charlotte and Asuka, on the announce table. Becky goes all the way up on the tallest ladder in the building, a uh, second run from the top and leg drops off of it. Oscar rolled out of the way. Charlotte was right under Becky. There was no leg drop. That was a butt drop to the ribs. And sh- the whole table collapsed. Charlotte rolled away uh, cursing, uh, openly cursing on TV and screaming and crying. Like sh- that was legit. She, sh- if she didn't break ribs, she ruptured something. That was bad. And I, I was cringing several times in this match then and uh, also when the kendo stick came out because oh oscar oh how i how do i love oscar <laughs> with the kendo stick let me count the ways they were all they were all just loose with the stick on the in this match they were all just throwing it out there but yeah oscar just so vicious with that damn thing beating both the women down and then eating a monster spear through the barricade from Charlotte. There was uh, this, this match was like all amazing spots, just tons of amazing spots. Uh, and, but here's, here's the thing. If it had just been a spot fest, it wouldn't have read as being as good as it was. It was as good as it was because of all of the story here, whether it was the story between Becky and Charlotte, the story between uh, like Oscar, the resurgent Oscar, uh, and ultimately at the end of the match, when everyone's up on the top of the ladder, you have Becky and Charlotte fighting at the top of the ladder, beating each other up. Oscar's already been knocked off by Charlotte a couple of seconds ago, and out comes Ronda Rousey to tip over the ladder, toss both of the ladies out, and stalk away, building up that that storyline there between Charlotte and, and Ronda and Becky and Ronda. Oscar climbs the ladder and wins the damn belt. The storyline is is what really made this match work. It made us invest in it. And it's, I, it's- uh, I stood up and cheered and threw both my hands up and went, yes, when I saw Ronda come out because that is exactly what it needed. Mm-hmm. That is exactly the thing. that. And then to cap it off, to have Oscar win, it was like perfect chessboard placement play. Yes. Uh, that is exactly... What I had, I didn't see Ronda coming out. I don't know if anybody did, but it makes all kinds of sense. Uh, I'm from, sure from, people saw it coming because it does make so much sense. I personally, oh yeah. I didn't see it because I didn't want it. And the reason I didn't want it is I wanted to have a clean, definitive finish with no interference. And I think if I was, if I was Dave Meltzer and I was rating this on stars, I would deduct a quarter star 
for the schmaz finish. That's just me. I, it doesn't, I'm not taking away from the brilliance of the rest of this match. It's just it does take away a little bit from the purity of how good this match was, uh, is having that kind of a finish. But as you said, in the larger picture, it's amazing. It's brilliant storytelling. It sets it's, everything in motion the right it way. sets everything up. Becky's now no longer the champion. She can go win the Royal Rumble and challenge Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. Or you could have the situation where both she and Charlotte go over the top rope at the same time. They both win the Royal Rumble. And we have a triple threat at Mania. There's all kinds of things that this sets up. Plus, Asuka's now your SmackDown Women's Champ. There's all kinds of things you can do with her now. She can stay champ for however long she needed this. She needed a main roster title at some point and now she has one Oscar if people were worried about Oscar remember she started 2018 winning the Royal Rumble she's ending 2018 as the women's champion and then had so, a championship match at WrestleMania against Charlotte and is now ending 20 and in a year she's done all that yeah, so she's Oscar's just fine don't when worry I saw about her it. pairing with Naomi and exhibition tag matches for I started to go a little God, what are they doing? But it's why and, we said, like, because here's the thing. Asuka wasn't getting beaten all year. Like, she got beaten a couple times by Carmella, but all of those were also, you know, they were they were muddled finishes. She wasn't really beaten clean all year. They kept her strong, kind of right. like how they're doing with Ember. She's not doing much, but they're keeping her looking strong because when, as soon as they're ready to pull the trigger, boom, there it is. Yep. But yes, uh, we, we really can't go too much into this match because if you're listening to us and you haven't seen this match... Stop, drop, go watch this match. Was this the best main roster match of the year, Nick? And if not, what was a better main roster match? Not NXT, not 205. Main roster. What was better I can't, than this? I can't think of one, uh, to be completely honest. I'm, and again, I just watched it last night. I, I can't fairly sit here and say, because I'm so into what we witnessed last night in that match, I can't fairly sit here and say, Bruh. I, I would want to go back and like look at each of the pay-per-views, look at the cards, remind myself of the matches we've seen. Sure. Um, I, I, don't, I don't even want to rule out the Seth Rollins gauntlet match as, as a match of the year contender. So, yep. I mean, stuff like that, you know, extreme situations. The, the Daniel Bryan match where he lasted forever. So I, there's all kinds of stuff that I would want to go back and look at. But at the same time, this, this is easily top three. Yeah, Easily I mean, you know, top I'm, three. I'm, I was trying to think of other great matches of the year on the main roster. Uh, as you said, the gauntlet match was a lot of fun, at least for the first half to two thirds. Uh, the tag match, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose versus Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre back at Hell in the Cell was good. But most of the main roster matches that I thought of first off the top, my Samoa Joe and AJ had some good matches. Um, uh, Miz, <laughs> Miz, and, Miz and Rollins had a good match back at Backlash. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. But most of the good matches I'm thinking of, Charlotte and Ronda, uh, Charlotte and Becky back at Evolution. Like those are the best main roster matches of the freaking year, hands down. Everything else that we we could say is better. It's all NXT. This I'll was, say this: Charlotte Becky is easily feud of the year. It's going to be right main there with, it, since you main roster. Yeah, it's going to be if you were going to include other stuff, it's going to be right there with Champa and Gargano for me. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's those two feuds right there are are twenty eighteen. I think that it would be a, a clear-cut winner if it had started earlier, but uh, because yeah. there's a lot of kind of good ones earlier in the year, but I, I definitely think that it has the potential to be the best feud of next year too, especially if they keep going and including Ronda Rousey in the mix. Here's okay. One other thing I want to talk about. We got to get out of here. Do you think Ronda interfering in this match because she walked away to a bunch of booze because no one wanted to see her interfere in this? Is this going to turn Ronda heel or is this going to be one of those things where 
Becky's a pseudo face and Charlotte is kind of a nebulously a heel but still badass and then Ronda Rousey is I guess kind of a face but also as she personally says she's the baddest bitch in the planet you know what what's the dynamic here or are they going for a more nuanced dynamic and you just pick whoever you want to root for I, I think both Ronda and Becky are very quickly treading on that tweener thing we've talked about previously I don't think it's going to matter Maybe in I think San Jose yeah. is again is a very marky crowd, smarky crowd, uh, very, always very loud and active. So the fact that they booed her probably was more about the match than Ronda Rousey herself. Fair enough. Um, but I, I, I'm gonna, I'll repeat what I said on the show earlier this week. Here, I, I think Charlotte's going to go off and feud with Oscar over the SmackDown Championship. Uh, Becky's going to go win Royal Rumble and set herself on a path of destruction for four months with Ronda Rousey, whether it's on Twitter or on TV is to be determined. <laughs> well, it's already been um, on Twitter, but it's, <laughs> but it's going to be entertaining as hell, whether, regardless of where it is. And, and we're going to see Becky Lynch barring, Oh God, barring any kind of tragedy or injury or anything like that. We're going to see the first ever, Main event, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania this well, year. Well, one thing we did mention. I am over the moon excited about it. I, I agree. And one of the things that I didn't, we didn't mention earlier, but that was that Becky found Nia Jax backstage at one, sec, at one point and punched her in the face, saying, keep my name out your mouth. And, that was, yeah. and, and I wonder <laughs> if that's the blow off for that feud, if that's her way of being like, cool, done now. I'm done with you. Yeah. Uh, or, or what? Go so, away, Nia. <laughs> go. go away, Nia. Go away. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, fantastic. This this was great and a great final match on a pay-per-view to end out 2018. Uh, yes. Nick, you you took the, the lowest Vegas odds. Oscar uh, had the least chance of winning according to Vegas, but you did pick Oscar because you wanted this to happen with the Royal Rumble and all the rest. I picked Becky. If to be you sick. dream it, your dreams will fight. What is it? If you fight, fight for, for your, your dreams, dreams, your dreams, dreams will fight for you. Yes. All right, just don't hit me in the balls, Daniel Bryan. Uh, but yes, I did pick Becky. That being said, I did give myself that plus five bet that the triple threat would go last. Did. Hey, man, that's how you play the game, Nick. Yeah, uh, whatever. I'm fighting for my dreams, too. So I, I only pick up half a point here, but uh, you picked up a full point by picking Asuka. At the end, the pickums, I win 10 out of my 13 possible points, and you with eight out of your possible 12.5 points with your wagers. So I once again finish out 2018 with a Pickham's win on the pay-per-views. Uh, we'll so see what happens when we get to Mania. Your one, one shining moment this year. Yeah. <laughs> destroying at Mania. Oh, come on. I got eight picks, right? You did. That's pretty and, good. And you beat the going in raw guys who are, you know, they're some of the biggest guys in the business. They know what they're talking about. They put out like 800 shows a week. That was a that was a that was <laughs> I a wish big we moment. had that kind of time because we would too. Well, if we if, ladies and gentlemen, go to patreon.com forward slash BWO and give us some money because if the more money we get, the more shows we can put out because otherwise we're working, men. We got to make that money yes. somewhere. Yes. Uh, but yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was TLC overall. Uh, damn good show, I thought. I think, and that's I'll, kind of a wrap for 2018. Kind right? of, you know, it's other than the weekly content, we're not really going to see anything major other than Wrestle Kingdom. And there here were in a couple dude, of weeks. Did you know that they're recording two Raws in a row this Monday? I feel. I mean, what? the people, the people in Sacramento are going to sit through six hours of Raw. Ouch! Oh God! Ouch! Oh God! No! Yeah. Uh, so it's, or, it, oh, because are they doing it for next week for Christmas Eve? Is that why? Exactly. So everybody can have Christmas off. Yeah. Exactly. Got it. Okay. So I mean, uh, we'll we'll see as you said tonight on Raw. If there's any major shifts in store, we're going to have a ton to talk about on our our show this week on Thursday, our regular show about all of the fallout from TLC and all of the uh, all the fallout 
on all of the different brands. 205 Live has some fallout. SmackDown Raw is going to have a huge shift, apparently. So we'll see what happens there. So come back and check that out. Also, we have to talk about Ring of Honor had their final battle pay-per-view this weekend. We're going to be talking about that, plus New Japan and all sorts of other fun stuff. So come back and check out our regular show. Yes, and definitely come over and join us on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. As I said at the top of the show, it's the hub of our operation. We interact with everybody there all the time, all day, every day. And we're firing up these group chats now, so make sure you get in on the next one, probably for Wrestle Kingdom coming up here the first oh, week of January. Ha- at 3 in the morning? Uh, at 3 in the morning? 6 Eastern? Hell yeah, I'll be up. At six, watching that. 6 Eastern? Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not even going to try. And again, the Zach Galifianakis with the calculus, trying to figure out what time it is in Japan right now. All right. Um, <laughs> also, you can hit us up on Twitter at BWO Podcast, uh, YouTube at YouTube.com/slash/c/slash/BustedWideOpen. Be sure to hit that subscribe and the notification bell so you can be alerted anytime we put up some new content. Or I don't know, go live again very soon yeah. once I figure all the techie stuff out for remote. We're getting close. Uh, last but certainly not least, uh, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar to show your love. <laughs> what is it? Tip your bartenders and waitresses. Tip your tip your uh, podcast hosts or sign up for one of our awesome rewards tiers starting at just $5 a month. You can get involved by uh, asking listener questions every single week, getting copies of the show notes. Uh, additional tiers include bonus episodes as well as a chance to interact with Sir Ian Dangerous and I directly via Skype. So you choose, you check that out. Your support means everything to us, and we really appreciate it. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude, and I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, but somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.